Hey everyone, my name is Dr. Dolores Tarver. I'm a licensed psychologist here in Columbus, Georgia, coming to you with your next mental health moment. Uh, September is National Suicide Awareness and Prevention Month, and I want to take this month to highlight particular groups that are at high risk for suicide. So today we will be discussing men. So let's get right on into it. Um, today's topic is you can't be a leader if you appear weak and that is related to men and suicide. So I'm sure by now you all have heard uh, snippets of or maybe seen the full interview with Dak Prescott, who is the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. And he was talking about uh, his experiences with anxiety and depression, particularly since his brother Jace committed um, or completed suicide uh, back in April, I believe. Uh, and he was just 31 years old. and. Dak was talking about how he has been just affected by that loss. And so in this interview, he, he shares a lot about his experiences and the struggles uh, that he has been managing since um, his brother completed suicide. So there is a newscaster on Fox, um, Fox Sports News, um, Scott Bayless, who thought uh, he might as well weigh in on this and suggested, now mind you, he quantified this by saying he had dealt with depression and he knew this would not be a popular opinion, but he did not have respect for Dak essentially because he shared his struggles openly and that could interfere with him being able to be a leader in the locker room with his teammates. So uh, understandably so, he has received a not, lot of negative press regarding making those comments because it makes it, one, I think, demeaning um, to someone who is grieving over the loss of their brother to suicide, um, to, to take a moment of transparency and openness and honesty, which is challenging enough as it is to talk about suicide, uh, suicide in the family, but also as a man to discuss what is going on publicly, publicly with you. But also I think it is uh, disrespectful to people who struggle with depression and anxiety uh, that in any way uh, one would be considered weak simply because they are open and honest about those struggles and getting that support. Uh, and I think contributes to the stigma that's associated with people seeking mental health treatment and also feeling safe and comfortable enough to share what's going on with them. Uh, but as we often do when we are misinformed, miseducated and have a microphone, we often say things that um, can be really just disrespectful to people in their experience. It, it does lend itself to for us to have this discussion as we get into men and suicide about toxic masculinity. And I know you all have probably heard that term before. It's definitely become more popular over the past uh, probably decade. Uh, but it focuses on just the stereotyped perspectives of men as being on this one hand, the strong protector provider, and then on the other side of the spectrum, aggressive, selfish, sexual, impulsive, punitive, right? So it doesn't leave a lot of room in there for men to create an identity that is more encompassing of a lot of other characteristics. And one of them being able to express themselves emotionally without it appearing as some type of weakness. And you will see this playing out with even young boys as uh, parents and other male figures in their lives. And even sometimes women contribute to this culture of don't be a baby, don't be weak, don't be a punk, don't be a sissy, right? All of these negative 
um, labels and words that are used that, that discourage a young male and his growth from being able to connect to, like sometimes I struggle, sometimes I have a hard time, it may bring me to tears, um, it may uh, cause me to doubt myself and instead of teaching me those problem solving skills to kind of work through that, you criticize me and then turn me away from wanting to be able to express that. So what am I going to do as a young man? I may eat that, I may internalize that. I'm not going to express myself and I'm not going to value that growing up. So then what does that translate over into my work relationships and my interpersonal relationships? Well, yes, I absolutely have the potential to be successful. I have the potential um, to, to be financially savvy, to be a leader. Um, but it may be at the cost of being very negative to other people, very critical of other people, having these unrealistic expectations and being very angry when people don't meet them. It could translate over into my kids don't feel like they have an emotional connection with me, that they don't feel like they can gain my approval, that they feel like they're constantly being criticized and put down, that they're not allowed to have their own opinions and their own dreams, that they're being forced to do uh, something that I, I'm telling them to do. It could translate over into with my partner. I have a difficult time being able to connect emotionally on a, on a deeper intimate level with my partner outside of, of sex and managing the money in the house. It can lead to controlling behaviors, definitely can lead to, again, some of those aggressive behaviors with partners and partners often feeling as if they are inferior to or beneath. Um, and, and so what is that going to lead to? It's going to lead to uh, high rates of divorce. Uh, that's going to uh, potentially lead to a lot of conflictual relationships in the work environment. Um, and then uh, on the other side of this is this, um, well, now I have to be, I have to be strong in stature. So my worth is tied to physical things. So if I'm, if I'm a shorter man, for example, then what does that mean about who I am as a man? If I'm not this big, strong person, or if I get sick, what if I have a health problem, I get diagnosed with some kind of chronic illness, then is my identity lessened? Am I, am I not of value anymore because I'm not this strong physical being? Um, what if I end up getting injured in the military, for example, then does that take away uh, from who I am as a man? But then also the sexual piece of, okay, so what happens when I'm no longer this um, sexual beast in the bedroom? Am I, am I less than then? Is that all I consider myself to be? Am I just a paycheck for my family? Is that what I feel like? If, I, if I'm not here, you guys would be fine because all you care about is the money. You can get the insurance money and live just fine, right? So as you can see, some of the things that that could lead to in terms of just how a man might end up feeling like they don't matter. If who they see themselves as, as people, um, as what they add, are all tied to either material things or, or aspects of their physical self, um, then anytime anything happens with any one of those areas, it could lead to some significant distress. So let's talk about how that translates over into suicide statistics. Uh, so suicide is the seventh leading cause of death among men, according to the Center for Disease Control. And around 2017, um, the rate of suicide in men increased to um, 3.5, uh, the rates of that in women. And I know you all are thinking, well, seven, seventh leading cause, it doesn't seem like that's 
so bad and um, 2017 has just been a few years, right? But I think we have to kind of dig a little deeper and understand those dynamics a little bit more. Uh, the other causes of death for men are health-related causes, right? So we have, you know, health-related causes, uh, some of them due to diet, some of them due to not accessing services early enough um, to be able to, to intervene before things get bad. And then you have suicide, right? So it's like either um, I'm not taking care of myself or I have some genetic predisposition to some health problems or um, stress is causing me to have these health problems or I'm killing myself. Like that's a very significant, um, I think, factor in terms of, wow, like this is what is causing the men that we love and care about to um, not be here with us anymore. Um, Middle-aged men, middle-aged white men, um, accounted for 70% of suicides in 2017. That is a staggering number um, and just goes to show the, the risk factors that may be present for middle-aged men who are probably you know, trying to figure out in their career, moving up, again, going back to that toxic masculinity, wanting to be successful, feeling this pressure to have to be these providers or have this wealth and success and driving them to such high levels of stress, depression, and anxiety that they end up considering suicide, particularly maybe if they have a setback or a failure, things don't work out and not being able to manage that distress. Um, suicide rates have doubled among black men since 1980, doubled. Uh, the World Health Organization reports that suicide account accounts for half of the violent deaths in men, half. So either you die at the hands of someone else, a crime or in some kind of violent way, or you kill yourself. That's another staggering statistic as well. Men over the age of 65 have the highest suicide rate. And if we think again, think about uh, what our worth um, is tied to and what men may be experiencing by the time they get to that age, health problems, changes in physical functioning, one could understand why their risk factors might be higher. Our white male veterans have the highest risk in terms of the veteran community. Um, veterans who have activity limitations. Uh, so again, physical problems, things that have changed since they uh, enlisted and those, those difficulties may be causing them such significant distress that they just would rather not have to manage those things, don't feel like they can, they're so overwhelmed. But then also, um, our veterans who uh, are newly out of the military, right? They have a 93% higher risk for suicide than civilian population. So our veterans are a higher risk period than civilians. Then we have our white male veterans, our veterans who uh, may have experienced some kind of disability or have limitations in activity. And then we have those who most recently transitioned out of the military. Um, who are at significantly higher risk because again, there's the, all these adjustment and transition challenges that they may experience and not be prepared for. If my you know, whole adult life, I went into the military at 18, uh, has, has been a part of serving my country and then I no longer have that, then again, what's my worth tied to? Who am I outside of that? Uh, and not to mention if there have been um, any combat related challenges uh, that have occurred, how that can affect someone too. Uh, so what are risk factors just in general um, that we're talking about for our men? Well, as we talked about with toxic masculinity, men are not really socialized to express themselves or even feel like that's an option for them to do. And so what are they going to turn to for coping? If I can't talk about what's going on with me, I, if I don't feel like 
the space is safe to be able to do that, I'm going to turn to substances. I'm going to turn to gambling. I'm going to turn to um, high-risk sexual behaviors. I'm going to turn to um, high-risk behaviors such as a need for speed or or, or something to, to get me excited, right? Those are going to be the areas where I, I try to put all that distress I'm not dealing with. And most of those are not going to be healthy for a person, especially if they're done in excess, right? So then they end up being more destructive um, than, than being a true coping mechanism. They're going to um, potentially social, um, socially isolate, live alone. Those That's a huge factor for, for suicide risk for anyone is when you're by yourself. So if I um, isolating myself, I, I, I don't feel like being bothered with people. I don't feel like I can trust people. I, um, uh, or people think I'm ornery um, and don't want to be around me, right? Um, then I'm at higher risk for suicide. Uh, not being able to form or sustain a meaningful relationship. And we talked about earlier, if I'm having part, uh, part problems with my partner, problems with my kids, people are resentful. I've got a couple of divorces under my belt. My kids have gotten older. They don't even deal with me or they only call me when they want some money or some advice because they feel like I've been negative and critical um, and disconnected or, or maybe just away from them during their uh, upbringing because I was serving in the military. I wasn't able to be there. I, I made the sacrifice for my family and my country um, to serve, but then I missed all of these important family moments. And so now the family has this bond and I don't feel like I'm a part of that bond. And so uh, it's almost like I don't exist. And that that's an awful feeling, right? To um, look at your family and think like, y'all don't care if I'm here or not. Uh, I'm not really important to you. Uh, so that can be, of course, um, something that can contribute to, to a man feeling suicidal. Um, in addition to those divorces and those relationships uh, breaking down, that history of physical and sexual abuse that men often don't talk about, right? It's embarrassing. Um, sometimes men don't feel like, well, that, you know, it's not a big deal. It happened when I was a kid. I'm over it now. And essentially, they're not really over it. They haven't dealt with that trauma. It's still there. It's showing up in their lives and in their, in their nightmares and in their interactions with other people. They're getting triggered. They don't realize that necessarily because there's that sometimes lack of awareness of what's going on. Uh, because again, that's not nurtured to be insightful about what's going on with you. But, but that abuse is causing problems in life as well. Uh, imprisonment. So if there has been incarceration, we know that it can be extremely difficult for people to find gainful employment after they've been incarcerated, particularly if they've had a felony conviction and their um, options are limited in terms of work. So then I'm looked at as a felon and people don't trust me. And so trying to get back on my feet and create a life for myself can be very difficult. I can run into a lot of obstacles. Um, there can be a lot of temptations to uh, go back to something that may be quick money um, or something that uh, would be easy so that I don't have to, to uh, try to keep getting the door slammed in my face every time I try to get a job. Uh, loss of a loved one through trauma, through disease, um, that can be very hurtful to, to a person. Um, men in particular, what if, you know, especially in this COVID-19, what if I lose my whole family? What if there's a bad car accident and I lose my family? Like what, you know, how am I going to feel after that? Am I going to feel um, like I want to be around living? Especially if, what if I was in the car and everyone died but me 
or um, combat. Everyone died but me, right? So there's all of these things that could happen that make me question um, why am I still here? That survival, survivor guilt, um, if you will. And just the, the loneliness of having people around you die. You know, your friends, you get older, friends start dying and you just feel like you're by yourself and you just feel kind of maybe disconnected to the people that are still here. Um, mental illness, we know that depression is a huge risk factor for suicide. Um, so whether that's chronic depression or the depression that comes along with bipolar disorder or some of the depression that comes from schizophrenia, but that's that hopelessness feeling in, in that dark hole can definitely make people uh, contemplate suicide. I just want to ease the pain and not have to deal with that. Um, these increased risk factors, of course, can express themselves in a lot of ways, right? These stereotype gender roles, um, discourage men from seeking help. Men are less likely to seek support for um, mental or uh, physical health conditions for that matter. And so they're not as aware, they don't necessarily pay as much attention to symptomology. And so it may be a long time that they've been dealing with these symptoms before they go get help. And then in the, in the cases of some illnesses, now you've gotten to the point where this illness is terminal because it wasn't dealt with early on. So now this cancer is spread through my body, there's nothing that can be done by the time I go and see about it. Um, or my diabetes is uh, gotten to the point where it's so bad that now my leg has to be amputated, right? So these are a lot of the factors that contribute to men getting to the point of feeling suicidal. Because again, like my physical ability tied to my worth and my identity. So if I lose that, then what do I have? Who am I as a man? Um, they're less likely to go seek again those mental health services. And so unmanaged depression or depression not being diagnosed, underdiagnosed, if you will, because when I go see my provider, what I'm talking to my PCP about is that I feel stressed at work, right? And so my provider is talking to me about uh, high blood pressure medication. They have no idea that um, the depression is what's underneath um, me feeling stressed and that I don't have the words to be able to say I'm depressed. I don't even understand what that means particularly. I know I'm angry and irritable, but I wouldn't necessarily understand that as signs and symptoms of depression. Um, and then, you know, also I think that just um, the damaging use of some of those, uh, as we talked about, more destructive um, mechanisms to try to cope, the substances causing problems, right? So now I've got liver problems, um, uh, you know, maybe I've gotten into cocaine, so now I'm having uh, problems at work and people are starting to notice I'm not um, showing up on time. I'm not attentive. I'm not on my game, right? So so these things are coming out in these other destructive ways and now they're impairing me um, in work and social relationships and just in my daily abilities to be able to to get things done. Uh, so what what can we do to support our men? We know that prevention is always the best, right? So if we can stop things from escalating to a point of being chronic or being terminal, being very severe, right? We're much more likely to be successful in our interventions. Um, suicide is the same way. If I can get you to a point where you're not in that space of actively having a plan, then I'm much more likely to be able to prevent um, you from getting there, right? So that means that the support needs to be there early on. We need to teach our young boys, one, how to express themselves, how their identity is tied to more than just their physical ability or their sexual prowess um, or their, their um, or wealth or um, uh, material possessions and allow them to develop, to develop a range 
of characteristics of themselves and we encourage and nurture them in a variety of areas, how they care about other people, um, their, their ability to be able to do things they enjoy that, you know, teaching these coping skills early on, like, Hey, you can garden, you can paint, you can listen to music, you can, you can skate, you can write. So you can do all of these very healthy, constructive things that aren't tied to a gender. Um, so you can cook, you can enjoy cleaning, you can write. So you don't have to be in this stereotype place. So that allows men to have the capacity to decide who they want to be um, and feel comfortable in their skin. Um, that we um, teach them that they are more than just a paycheck. That <laughs> They are more than just the provider, the protector. Um, that they also have things that need to be nurtured in them. That we give them a space to be able to process when they're not doing well. And we don't judge them for it or throw it in their faces, um, skip. Uh, and, and we don't say that they're weak for doing so, but we already have them set up. We set aside that time um, for our young boys to be able to share what they're going through. We set aside that time for our adult men to be able to share what they're going through in a safe space with other men, with other boys, um, to be accepted, to be understood, uh, to have that shared experience, to be able to have those resources. We want to already have a list of resources available for our men so that when, when we do see some distress in them or there does come a time when there needs to be an intervention, we've already got it set up. Like I already have a list of um, PCPs that you can go and see, right? Because we all know that when it's time to go see a provider, what do we do? We ask for uh, recommendations from people. So if I already have a list of people that I know work well with men, that I know have um, characteristics that uh, uh, men might appreciate in a provider, then when you need that resource, it's already there. We've already got it. We can share it. Hey, let me go ahead and email that to you. Um, there are spaces where you can go and even search. There is a therapy for black men. Um, therapy black for black men.org is their website. They're also on Instagram. Um, you can go to psychology today, find a list of, of, uh, providers. If you want to see a male, if you want to see a female, you can put in whatever characteristics you want. Um, you can, uh, as a, as a church family, get a list of providers together, good providers that work with men, address men's issues in the community to be able to have on deck for people. Um, we can listen, not be judgmental. Um, we can, um, make sure that as we're talking to men about healthy strategies, that we find ways that they feel connected um, they feel valued. That's important. All of us need to do things that give us worth and value and feel like we have meaning. Um, we want to encourage physical health, right? Because we know that physical health problems can lead to men feeling suicidal. So um, if I can be preventative in terms of eating healthy, getting that physical exercise, bike riding, jogging. Um, and if I do have limitations, finding some low impact things that I can do, some things that can strengthen and help my heart without it putting too much um, pressure on my body, giving men realistic expectations of self. Like you don't have to be a super male. Um, you just get to be a person. And that means that um, you do what you're able to do and you're going to do some things great. There's going to be some things you don't do that's great and that's okay. Um, and you're no less of a person for that. Um, offer, you know, offer help, right? Like sometimes people just don't feel like they can go anywhere for help. So, hey, how can I help you? How can I support you? I'm here to support you. Um, this is safe space. This is what I've been through. Um, and so I want you to know that other people go through this too. Like you're not in this by yourself. We may have to be the people that notice those warning signs first, because again, men just may not be aware because they're just not taught to be attentive in that way. Uh, so if we see that decline in their behavior, those changes that we don't just say, Oh, something must be going on. Let's have a conversation. 
let's uh, do a person the honor of letting them know that we see that they're not doing well and, and we want to check in with them and make sure they are okay. All right. Um, so it, it's just important that we see our men, um, not just expect things from them, but actually see them and, and have a real relationship with them instead of this fantasy one of you just come in and save the day when I need you. Like you're a person, you're a human, you have needs just like everyone else does. And I want you to have the space to be able to get your needs met too, right? So let's be healthy. Um, let's be aware. Let's be encouraged. Take care.